Our Old Testament lesson, no surprise, is from Isaiah 11, verses 1 through 10, which can be found on page uh, 1077 in our pew Bibles. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. Before we read, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. And God, we thank you for all that you have given to us. The many reasons that we have uh, to be thankful. But God, we thank you for your word that you've given to us. God, we pray that you would help us this morning as we hear your word read and proclaimed to hear it with ears that are ready to hear, to understand it with minds that are ready to understand with hearts that are willing to hear and understand and be changed. God, we pray that you have been preparing us in advance to hear your word today. And God, that you would speak to us this morning. That you would continue to change us by your word and by your spirit, into the people that you have made us to be in relationship with you, through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Isaiah 11, 1 through 10. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. Turning then to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. This is the way Paul begins his letter to the church in Corinth. His first letter. It's be found on page 1769 in your pew Bibles. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God for you. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. 
Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is the second week of Advent. The uh, theme of last week was hope. The theme of this week is peace. But as we are going through the four weeks of Advent leading up to Christmas, this time, Advent means coming. It's this time of preparation. It's time of getting ready for Christmas. But it's also a time of getting ready for Jesus to come again. And the way that we are going through these four weeks are to look at the, uh, the first chapter in the book of Luke. And we're looking at these four chapters, four weeks, uh, each of these four sections in chapter one, kind of looking at one overarching theme for the whole time. And that is uh, responding to God. I mentioned this last week, but I didn't have the quote exactly right. This was in a, um, an interview I heard about Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson is the one who did the message uh, rendition of the Bible. That one, Mike was reading out of earlier, and um, and he was kind of known as the the pastor to pastors, and so this other pastor said that Eugene Peterson had been mentoring him, and how so many pastors have just sort of lost their way as far as what it is they're supposed to be about, and he said, and every time that I would start to get into <laughs> uh, stressful times or whatever he would always go back to what Eugene Peterson told him again and again, which is, said, help people learn to pay attention to God and teach them how to respond appropriately. But that is ministry. Just help people learn to pay attention to God and teach them how to respond appropriately. And the idea there is that God is at work in our midst. He is present with his people. And yet it's so easy to get distracted and to get off track of that. And so the constant refrain, the constant call, is to pay attention to who God is and what he's doing now. Consistent with what he's done in the past. What is he doing now? And how are we to respond to that? And so that's what we're looking at over the next four weeks, or over these four weeks of Advent. Um, And looking at Luke chapter 1, as it shows us several examples back-to-back of God speaking to his people um, in various ways and how they then respond to that. So this week we are looking at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. It is a familiar Christmas story. You're probably all familiar with this one in one way or another. This is Luke uh, chapter 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, 
Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I heard recently a, um, a guy who was teaching on the Bible, and he was actually a history major in college first and had actually been a professor of history in college before becoming a pastor. And uh, he talks about how everything that happens in history happens at a particular time and at a particular place. And so he says, you know, nothing that has ever happened didn't happen somewhere. I mean, it's all happened somewhere, and it's all happened at some time. And so when we're reading through the Bible, I think sometimes it's easy to skip over place names because I don't know where that is anyway. And it's easy to skip over the time indicators that that are given because, well, we don't really know what was going on there anyway. So we kind of skip over those things and we just get to, you know, kind of the meat of it. And when we do that, we cut it off from when it happened and where it happened. And so in our minds, it starts becoming once upon a time in a land far away or a long, long time ago (laughs) in a galaxy far, far away. But this is a very different story. This is not a story that happened once upon a time. It's not a story that happened a long time ago in a galaxy far away. This is something that happened at a particular place and at a particular time. And if you start paying attention to those things throughout the Bible, you will see how careful, especially Luke, who in chapter 1 said uh, his... uh, carefully investigated everything from the beginning and has written an orderly account of all these things. And so he's pretty careful to put in a lot of these, where did this happen? When did this happen? So as I just read Luke 1, 26 to 38, I'm curious if you caught that, when it happened, where it happened. My guess is most of you probably didn't. For most of my life, I wouldn't either. (laughs) But let's go take a note of it because it's, it's there for a reason. It's important. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's when this was. Well, we said, who's Elizabeth? <laughs> how, does, how does the sixth month of her pregnancy help us understand anything at all? Because well, this isn't verse 1 in this chapter or in this book. But there's something that's already happened. If you're here last week, this is going to sound pretty familiar. If not, I'm going to catch up to speed on what happened in the first part of this chapter. And that is that there was an old man by the name of Zechariah, and he was a priest. And as priest, he goes to the temple, and he's chosen by lot to actually go and uh, burn the incense in the temple. Not in the holiest place in the temple, but really close to it. Not a lot of people get to go there, but that's where he is. And while he's there, this angel Gabriel shows up and says to him, Do not be afraid. Your prayer, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. And he says that he's going to have a son, even in his old age. And he's not really sure about this. 
And yet, that is exactly what happens. And so then Luke tells us, and his wife, by the way, was Elizabeth. So then Luke tells us that it's while Elizabeth is now six months pregnant. So this is already reminding us of not only when this is happening in that same sort of general time frame, but also reminding us that the promise that God had just made to Zechariah is coming true. That she who was um, considered, what did he say to uh, Mary later? He said, uh, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. This is what's going on, and this is when it's happening. All right, where is this happening? Verse 26 again, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's when, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Anybody familiar with Nazareth? Anybody been to Nazareth? Not a lot of folks around here. It's a long way from here. But uh, when Luke was writing this, people were pretty familiar with Nazareth. And it was the kind of place that um, we read elsewhere when uh, one of the disciples goes and reports, hey, we found the Messiah. He's from Nazareth. And his initial response is, you've got to be kidding me. Nothing good comes from Nazareth. So I don't know for you what town around here you think nothing good can come from. I'm sure everybody's got one. But anyway, whatever town you're thinking of, that was Nazareth. (laughs) Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. This is where Mary's from. This is where Mary grows up. And now we've looked at the kind of where it is. We looked at the uh, when this is. But now we're looking at who this is. And this is where we get some of the biggest contrast. There's contrast all the way through between uh, Zechariah and Mary. And there are some things that are similar. We have the same angel, Gabriel, coming and talking to both of them. The same angel saying to both of them, you're going to have a baby. And the same angel saying to both of them, not only are you going to have a baby, your baby's going to be pretty amazing. To varying degrees. But there are some pretty big differences between the two accounts. One of the things with Zechariah, he is, uh, he's a priest. He's a man. He's in Jerusalem, and he's in the temple. Contrast Mary, who's a young woman, who is in Nazareth, who is not a priest, not in the temple, not even in Jerusalem. She is in Nazareth of all places. And so when we look at Zechariah and we say, this guy who's in the, pre, who's in the temple in Jerusalem who is uh, offering the incense, maybe he should expect God's going to show up, you think? What about for Mary? These are two people of very different ends of the social uh, ladder. He's towards the top at that day and age. She's towards the bottom. Geographically, gender-wise, age-wise, profession, every, and just where they're from, this is a very, very different situation. So for Zechariah, we read about God showing up, and we're like, yeah, of course. Zechariah, how come you weren't ready? <laughs> if he's going to show up to anybody, it's going to be you. And then we look at Mary the one who is forgotten. 
she would be the one most easily overlooked in that whole society. She is the one who does not have hope of God showing up. And yet he does. When we look at the two of these, we see Zechariah as a somebody and Mary as a nobody. One of the things we said before is in the kingdom of God, nobody is a nobody. And that's one of the things we see with Mary. As Gabriel comes to her, who should have had no reason to expect this. And he says, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, when we looked at Zechariah, we said if he had been looking at God and the promises he'd made to Abraham and the ways that he had fulfilled those promises and the way that he had worked all through the Old Testament, and he hears this promise from God, he should be able to respond with praise and thanksgiving. God, you're amazing. I can't believe you'd have give me a son. But if he's looking at his circumstances and says, I'm old, my wife's old, we're, we're done having babies, you came too late. And that's actually how he responds. With Mary, it's the same sort of situation. He says, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. If she looks at her circumstances, it'd be pretty easy to say, no, he's not. Right? If God were with me, why would I be living here? Why would I have no options, no future? Not with me. That's not how she responds. But we see with Mary, her eyes do seem to be set differently than Zechariah's. That her sights are set on who God is and what he's doing, regardless of her circumstances. Please hear that. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said to her the same thing he said to Zechariah. To Zechariah, he says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. And to Mary, he says, uh, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He gives the promises. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This goes back a thousand years. The promises that God made to David. A thousand years earlier to David, when David says in 2 Samuel 7 to God, I'm going to build you a house. Impressed? And God says, no. <laughs> I'm going to build you a house. You're not going to build me one. I'm going to build you one. But he's not talking about a building. He's talking about a family. And in this promise, he says, you're, you're going to be a king from your family, on the throne, forever. And now we've been waiting a thousand years. And Gabriel shows up to Mary and says, it's time. It's time. And God has picked you to be the one to bring uh, this forever king into the world. Do you remember how Zechariah responded when the promise came to him? You're going to have a son. said, how can I be sure of this? Like, what sign can you give me that that's actually going to happen? I don't want to get my hopes up. And the angel says to him, I'm Gabriel. That should be enough. 
I'm, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. That's the sign that you should have already been aware of, and that should have been enough. Mary asks a question as well, and on the surface they seem the same and they're very different. She doesn't ask for a sign. She just asks, how will this be? Do you hear the difference? He says, how can I be sure that this is going to happen? She's already sure it's going to happen. She's just curious as to how it's going to happen. He wants a sign because he says, uh, my wife is old. Uh, I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. That's why I need a sign. This, from my perspective, doesn't seem possible and you've got to give me something to go on here. For her, she's curious because she says, uh, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? And so for one of, the, uh, one of these women, she's already too far down that road. For the other, she's not even started down that road. And so for neither one of them are they in the uh, normal arrangement for having a baby. And yet for Zechariah, he asked for a sign. And for Mary, she's just like, wow, how is God going to do that? That is amazing. <laughs> she's already on board. She is already on board. God has shown up to somebody who should not have been expecting him to show up. And she's ready. Whereas he shows up for Zechariah, who absolutely should have been ready, and he doesn't seem ready. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. He gives her two things here in response to her question. She asks, how will this be? And he goes back and gives an image from Genesis 1. Did you hear it? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That's how it all begins. That's how it all begins. And God says, let there be light. And there was light. And what Gabriel is saying to Mary is it is time to begin the new creation. The Spirit of God not hovering over the waters, but the Spirit of God hovering over you, creating new life in you, creating the new humanity in you. That this is where it's going to begin anew. And so that's the first thing he tells her in answer to her question. You want to know how it's going to be? It's going to be like creation was. Good luck understanding it, but that's how it's going to be. And then secondly, he does give her a sign. She doesn't even ask for a sign, and he gives her one. And the sign is Elizabeth. Elizabeth, who's too old to have a baby, is already six months pregnant. So take a look at her and know that what God says is going to happen. And her response, I'm Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. As we said, Mary is one who would have been very easily overlooked that day and age. Very easily overlooked. There are so many 
young girls who were uh, in Nazareth at that time, and you don't know their names. But you know Mary's name. Because even though it would be easy to overlook, God knows them all. He knows their name. And when he picks her for this, uh, then we all know her name. I want to take you back to one other thing about Mary. And that is this idea of her being highly favored and finding favor with God. Anybody have any idea what that means? If God shows up and says to you, greetings, you who are highly favored. You have found favor with God. What do you think that means? My guess is for most of us, we would hear that as him saying, good job, well done, I like what you've been doing. And I want you to know that's not what it means. The words that are being used here are all about a gift of grace. Just a free, undeserved grace. This gift that is not something that she's earned, but something that's just given. God has picked you. This is not payment for something you've done. This is a gift. You are highly favored. Um, skip on. There were people later when Jesus was around teaching who brought up Mary to him specifically. This is chapter 11 in Luke, verses 27 and 28. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And he replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Now think about that. Did Mary hear the word of God? Yeah. Was she on board? Yeah. <laughs> and so he's not putting her down. But he's saying she's also not above everybody else. She, this is the same thing that God is offering to everybody. Hear the word, respond to the word. Hear the word of God and respond to it. Hear the, you are highly favored. Don't believe me? This word gets used again in Ephesians chapter 1. This is where we're going to end. Maybe we should have ended a while ago. Too late now. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, which in Greek is all one sentence, and we just can't do that in English. <laughs> but Paul gets pretty excited. And he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. 
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. There's a lot of big stuff in there. Go back to it, read it a lot of times. But you can tell, Paul's excited, this is pretty big stuff. But in there, here's what he said. Um, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and, other, and understanding. Um, this is that same, you are favored. The same thing that the angel Gabriel said to Mary, you are highly favored. You have found favor with God. You have been given this gift of, gift of grace. And what is the gift? The gift is Jesus. And what Paul is saying is that same grace has been extended to all of us. No, you don't get to be the mother of Jesus. <laughs> but you get Jesus. That that gift has been given to you as well. This is the word of promise that has come to us. Not because we've earned it, but because it's been given. So now the question for us, and we have to leave it today is do we respond like Zechariah and say, what kind of sign can you give me more than what you've already given? Or do we respond like Mary, who says, I don't understand how this is going to happen, but I'm on board. I'm on board with what you're doing. I'm on board with what you have said, and I'm going to live according to your word. May it be to me. How does she put this? Uh, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.